My name is Kathy, and I'm looking to make sure everybody can hear me. Everybody can hear me? Okay, great. Hi. I want to thank Mary Beth for allowing me to talk. I just love talking. So if it goes on and on and on, y'all just start going. (laughs) And I might wonder what you're doing out there and wrap it up. I am talking on the 11th step. This is one of my very, 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 very favorite steps. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge, I know the things here somewhere, uh, of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And the first time I worked this step, my husband was in the treatment center. I, he was in the treatment center in Nashville and I was in East Tennessee, about three and a half hours apart in driving time. And I had written this magnificent letter I used to love to write. And I thought I was quite good at it. Of course, I thought I was quite good at anything I did, except mothering and, and wifing. That didn't work well. Um, but anyway, I wrote this wonderful letter and I thought, oh, this is so good. I don't want to wait and mail it. I want to call him right now and read this letter to him. So I had been working, started that morning, working on the 11th step. Had read it over umpteen times. Went to the telephone, dialed the number, got no answer. And I knew that God did not want me to read the letter. And so typical of me, I thought, well, you know, God, I don't know what's wrong with you. This letter is so wonderful. I know that he's just going to be itching to hear this letter. So every few minutes, I would go to the phone, dial the number, try to get through to him. And every few minutes, I wouldn't get through to him again. And I every time knew. So I gave God one more chance before I went to the grocery store to get through, and, and God didn't. So I went to the grocery store, and I came home running to the telephone again to call so I could read the letter. And once again, I didn't get through. And once again, I thought, well, something is definitely wrong with God. So I thought, you know, God, maybe you haven't read this letter. Maybe maybe I need to let you know what's in on this letter. So I sat down and I started reading the letter and in the middle of the first paragraph of the letter, I saw how full of anger I was. And it came out through shame and guilt statements to my husband. And it was such a vivid picture to me that I still get goosebumps when I talk about it, but I have yet to forget that moment. I don't write real often anymore. And uh, that probably is something I need to start getting into. My sponsor thinks it is. She gave me a journal, said, I want you to start writing again. But anyway, it was the first time I really saw how much anger I had because being a good southern girl that I was, I knew I wasn't supposed to be angry about anything. When I have a nice calm certainty about what I'm doing, then I can be sure that I'm in God's will. But if I'm racing like I was to the other thing, Jackie, hey, uh, I know I'm not in God's will when I do that. 
So there's just no doubt with it, and I'm going to talk about that more, too. I'm also very thankful that all my prayers haven't been answered with a yes, because I've prayed for a lot of things. And before he ever got into treatment, I prayed a lot that he would die, because I truly believe that being a widow was much more desirable than being a divorcee. I also have a daughter. Our first daughter is also an addict. And I stopped taking the newspaper because both of them, with their, my husband and daughter, with their activities, I didn't want to read in our small town what they might do. We have a crime beat section. I didn't want to know if they were in it. Now, is that denial or what? I mean, like in the small town, somebody wouldn't come to me and say, I read about so-and-so in the paper. But I thought, well, if I just don't see it, it won't happen and it'll be all right. And I can live through it and I still don't take the paper. (laughs) Living with active alcoholism, I lost a lot of the spiritual nature of who I am. So I would sit at home isolating by myself and carry on a conversation like for better or worse, but I didn't know it's going to be this much worse. And surely there is something better in life than this. And when am I going to get my sainthood? Because I've been putting up with a lot of crud. And I truly thought it was my duty to hold it all together. And because I wasn't holding it all together, I was nothing but a failure in my mind. Step one was easy for me to take. I always wanted the power, but I knew I didn't have it. And uh, so now, also, with working the 11th step, I've learned a lot about how fear-based my life was. I still have a lot of fears, and I still think I'm a big chicken. But I used to think I was afraid of flying. And I learned after a while in the program, I'm not afraid of flying. I'm afraid of crashing. So when I get on a plane now, I try and sit close to an exit. I read all the directions on the exit just in case those fools who are sitting closer don't know how to do it because they're not paying attention when the instructions are being given. And I figure that way, if something happens, I can get to that door and I can get us all out and save us all. And I'm wondering why airlines don't have schools just for people like me to know how to get out of all these things. Okay, Uh, prayer. I'm sure not here to tell you how to pray. All I'm going to do is tell you some of what I do with prayer. My prayers, because I've always prayed, however, I learned that they weren't all they could be until I got into recovery. I used to make a lot of barters with God. God, you do this for me, and and I'll never do that again, or I'll, you know, see that this happens or whatever. Of course, I never kept up my end of the bargain, but I expected God to keep up that end of the bargain. And my God has always been too small, and it's because my head cannot encompass how big my higher power, who I choose to call God, is. One of the instances before I entered recovery, one day I was going to be stepping down. I was performing my last duty 
as uh, an officiant in a position. And I prayed, God, just let me get through this meeting. That's all I prayed for. Just let me get through this meeting. Because my husband left home that morning. And I knew he wasn't coming back for a long time. And he didn't want to tell the children. So I was going to have to go home and tell the children that afternoon. But I didn't want to break down at that meeting and have those people think something was wrong with me. So I did. I made it through the meeting, and that's as far as I got. I then broke down. But had I done it now, I would have prayed for a lot more. See, I would have prayed, get me through the whole day. I got a lot coming up. Get me through the whole day, not just those few hours. Today, my prayers, I, I certainly can stop at any moment and pray for anybody, and I have things, organizations that I do that with. But on the whole, I have this continuous conversation with God going at any moment which is a lot better than the committee meeting that used to always be in my head and was going. So now that part's calm. But if I see somebody that looks like they're hurting, I can just, you know, quietly say, God, help them. They look like they're hurting. Or whatever. But it's just a constant conversation that can go on at any moment. And it works really well for me. It's a running dialogue. I used to think I had to fill in every gap. That if I was going to be planning something, I had to plan it to the nth degree. And several people have had to tell me along the way, you know, God can fill in the gaps. All I have to do is take care of the big stuff and let him fill in the gaps. And he does a beautiful job when I allow him to do that. I don't believe in coincidences. I definitely believe in God incidences. And God does for me what I cannot do for myself. And I have a very simple example of this for you. In the car driving down here with our daughter and her family, one of which is our seven-year-old grandson, my husband learned for the first time that our seven-year-old grandson often uses the word crap. So Alan decided to work on this with him while we would journey along. When I got here, I ran into Jane. Jane pulls out of her purse this wonderful little book, What I Learned from God While Quilting. And I thought, gosh, I'm itching to read this little book because I love quilting. And I opened up the little book, and there's a little blue sticky note in it. And on a sticky note is written the acronym, CRAP, Communication Resolves All Problems. And another one is Q-tip, Quick Taking It Personally. So that's just one thing. I mean, who else? That's not a word I deal with every day on a daily basis, so how else would that have happened other than God? taking care of that for me. Okay. Through prayer, I also acknowledge what gratitude I have for God. I'm a morning person. My morning starts about 5 to 5.30 each day. I love to get up, and I love to watch the sunrise. And I don't like to just sit and watch the sunrise. I like to get glimpses of the sunrise. As I walk through the house, I'll see 
wherever the sun is at that time. And I'm blown away. Each and every time, I'm blown away. And then I'll walk away from it and I'll come back through the house again and see it again. And once again. I mean, I used to not live in the moment of that. Y'all are the ones that taught me that. One day at a time, one moment at a time, to live in the now. Because my head used to be going over everything that happened in the past or what I was going to have to try and do with him in the future or her, as the case may be, or a lot of other things, all those worries that I could come up with. Oh, so I get a lot of answers in the mornings. One of the ways I meditate is to go over things in the evening that I don't know the answer to, and that can be simple stuff or harder stuff. Simple being, I may be getting ready to do a new quilt, and I may not know what pattern I want to do or what colors I want to do it in. And so I just kind of name it to my higher power, and I go to bed. And in the morning, so often, I have the answer upon the time that I get up. And it's a wonderful thing to do. When I first got into Al-Anon, I set aside time every morning and I sat in a comfortable chair in a comfortable place when everyone was out of the house and I spent 30 to 45 minutes meditating listening to see what God wanted to tell me and that was also times that if I did have a problem of some kind I would just lay it out there and then try and just listen for the will and the guidance of how to carry that out Usually, almost every answer comes to me in the morning, but just recently I had one come at night, and it was so unusual that it was even a magnificent thing to me because I sat straight up and thought, wow, you know, I've had a thought at night. This is something new for me. So maybe even more often I'll get a night thought now or a night answer. There are times that I meditate just by saying the serenity prayer over and over and over and over I mean, if I have a big problem, I can't put things into words well. So sometimes if I can just say the serenity prayer and get myself calmed down, then I know my higher power can work on me. I see step 11 as a step that opens all of us up to be all that we can be. It takes an amount of trust when you get to step 11 to simply ask for and seek God's will be willing to hear what God's will is to know that we are not the ones that can do it on our own so we have to be open to a power greater than ourselves and then to ask for the power to carry it out. And that may come in the way of courage or patience or an action to take or words that we may need to use. It's a way of self-affirmation. And I've learned from doing it over and over again that I'm not going to be perfect in doing it 
But it's when I make a decision that I believe is based in God's will and take the power to try and carry it out that I can sometimes find I didn't do this the way I'd do it again and I'll try and do it differently next time. But I don't have to beat myself up because I used to be afraid to move when I got into that position. If I had a decision to make, when my parents died and I was left with taking care of all of the will, the papers, the whole thing, I was so afraid because I knew nothing about any of it. They'd never discussed any of it with me. I had no clue. I kept saying, isn't there some simple book I can read? And everybody said no. I was afraid I was going to end up in prison. I mean, I'm a rule and regulations girl. Give me the way to follow through and I'll do it. But when I don't know what to do, I am just lost. So I was lost. And it was a miserable place. And so I really began to procrastinate. I didn't want to take an action that would be wrong. So I just wouldn't take it. So it's taken a lot of work with this to get me to the point and know that i got to go on and move on and try and do the best I can do with God's help. And that God's, I, I truly believe that God's not going to let me end up in prison because I'm ignorant. I wanted to tell you just real briefly uh, a surrender story. Y'all may have heard this before, but it really helps me. And this is where I see step 11 as being a big surrender of things to God. A person goes to God and says, God, I've really made a mess in my life. Things aren't going well. My family's a mess. I'd really like to see all of us get healthier. And God said, oh, okay. Well, what will you give me for it? I'll give you anything, God, if you'll just do this for me to make my family healthy and loving and all of these things that other people have. And God said, well, tell me a little more. And the person says, well, like my job. And God says, oh, you have a job? Well, yes, I have a a job. If I didn't have a job, I wouldn't be able to afford a home. Oh. You have money and a home? Well, yes, God, I've got a job and I've got some money, but it's not a whole lot of money because I've really made a mess of banking and things over the years. And uh, I have a home. That's where my family lives. It's just a little home. It's very modest. God said, well, okay, give me your job and your money and your home. Well, but God, if I do that then I won't be able to take care of my family. Oh, you have a family? Well, yes, I have this family. I have this family. They're very special to me. They're the most special people in the world to me. God said, oh, okay, you have a family. Well, what else? And, and it, Well, we, we have a car. It's just a little car, but it gets us, oh, you have a car too. Well, yes, God, I have to have that car to get from home to work and to get my family around. It's really important. God said, okay, you give me your home, your family, your job, your money, and your car. And I'll give them back to you. But when I give them back to you, 
I want you to do what I have in mind for you. That car that you have, I don't want you to get behind the wheel and badmouth other people on the road and be throwing birds at them as you drive. I want you to whisper kind words about those other drivers who are around, and I want you to help get people to meetings when they need to get there. And that job, you know how you aren't very nice about the things you say about your boss sometimes? I want you to go and work for that boss and go beyond what you ever thought you should do for that job and to talk kindly of your boss and to help others around there. And the money I want you to use wisely. And your family. Your family that's so special to you. I want you to tell them that you love them instead of yell at them. And put them down. And treat them like the special honored guests that they are. Get that china out that you have put away for the company. Your family's the most honored people you're ever going to have in your home. And use all these things wisely. And you will find your life is more abundant than ever before. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. And thank you, Mary Beth, for asking me to share this afternoon. Um, I know that most of you know my story as well as I do. I've said it enough times. But I'm delighted to see so many of you here, and I appreciate your coming, too. I had sort of thought that everybody would be at the pool or the spa or here or there or maybe over even with Mickey, but um, I'm delighted to see you here. Uh, when Mary Beth called and asked me to share or emailed me and asked me to share, and I said, well, you know, I did this last year, and she says, well, that's why I'm asking you this year, so you have to, you know, you're just, it's a repeat, so... <clears throat> anyway, I entered my, um, I am Willie and I'm a member of Al-Anon. Hi. And I did, uh, go to my first Al-Anon meeting in November of 1978. Uh, I went because my husband was in treatment at that time. And I went, not necessarily, I wasn't in denial, but I certainly didn't want anybody to know why I was there. And uh, I tried to find the meeting that I thought that I would go to that no one would know who I was. I was so fearful of breaking my husband's anonymity. I, I just was terrified at that. And um, But anyway, it so happened that the meeting that I went to, I met a fellow that I worked with. And he, Willie, what are you doing here? Well, I made the story up that it was because I was really trying to find out what Al-Anon was like because if you have teenage children this day and age, and that was 25 years ago, um, you know, they might be using drugs and alcohol, and I really wanted to find out what it was all about. Well, we were just dying at home because of my husband's alcoholism. Now, alcohol had been a part of our lives ever since we got married. You know, it was alcohol use or abuse, or alcoholism, really. Uh, it, we didn't know it. We had no idea what was really this thing that was eating us alive. So was, when he went into treatment, um, I tried this Alan I'm eating. But fortunately, um, he went to a place 
Now, he didn't want me to have anything to do with his treatment. He was very angry at that time. didn't want me to have anything to do with his treatment at all. But after he was in treatment, he called and said, I do think it's a good idea if you try to come over to the family program. And it was probably one of the best things that happened to me. Uh, I was able to get rid of a lot of, of pain and, and everything that uh, was was destroying me. And and I find out that I was the most, I was as important as anybody else in our life. And um, so anyway, when we um, I when we got back from there, and I'm grateful to tell you that he started going to local going going to local AA meetings. Without him doing that, I really think that my self esteem would probably have been so low I wouldn't dare have rocked the boat by going to Al Anon myself. I, I admire people that say I was in Al Anon for a year before my husband got treatment or something like that because I just would not do it. But when I got into Al Anon, I um, found out that uh, and, and was introduced to the steps. It was probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. The greatest gift that was ever given to me was to be introduced to the twelve steps of, of recovery. Um, I knew that I was. I knew that number one. I knew that my life was unmanageable. The children accused me of being crazy. Of course, my husband accused me of being crazy, and, I, and that's true. I really was. My life was totally unmanageable. <clears throat> but I um, did not realize my powerlessness, powerlessness over other people. That was probably the most freeing thing of, of anything to find out that I was powerless over other people. I had heard all my friends say, well, I told my husband he's not going to do this. And I tell my children they're not going to do that. And I thought, well, that sounds good. I'll do that too. And when I tried to do that, you know, I get all this flight back about how crazy I was. But so I was, I was delighted to know that. And then the second, when I uh, realized that there was a power greater than myself, I don't think I was ever spiritually bankrupt. I think I always had the whatever faith there was at that time. And, you know, the, the ability to, uh, I, did, I just did whatever my childhood faith was. But it was, I never lost that bit. There were so many things that fell in my life uh, throughout my recovery that uh, I know, I just know it has to be through whatever we believe in a power greater than ourselves. just has to be because, you know, I can tell you that I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that things would be different. By this time, you know, you can, I'll go back a little bit again, you can fight a bottle of alcohol. You can fight a bottle of alcohol. You can say, how, can you believe what you did last night? Can you can say, if you didn't drink so much, you'd be okay, and all that kind of thing. But you can't fight another woman. And then the, by, before he actually started recovering, that was a traumatic thing in my life, was to know that there was another woman in his life. And, you know, I talk about this frequently, really. And every time I share, I talk about this because I think that it is probably one of the things that's most hidden in people's lives in this disease of alcoholism. Um, I am grateful that we live through that, but there's some that just don't. And I think, you know, when I went into treatment with him and I read the uh, chapter, The Family Afterwards, in the big book, and the thing it said was how sad it is to hear them tell us 
that someone else understands them greater than we, more than we do. And, and I knew then that I was not alone. And when I used to talk with Jerry Delaney, and she said that that was one of Lois's greatest things, was that she had to put up that with Bill Wilson. And I know that it's all part of this disease, and, and it's the most destructive part. So it's really, I had done a lot of praying on my, you know, get rid of her, do this, bring us back together, and you know, and all that type of thing. But I know today that if it had happened the way I wanted it to work, that I would never have become the person that I think I became became because of that and in recovery. I think that my spiritual growth was all because of that enormous amount of pain that I was in and my willingness to reach out to this power greater than myself. So I never had the spiritual bankruptcy that they talk about. But I was so glad to, to be able to build on things that I had learned and to, to grasp whatever this program had to offer me. Then the, the third, you know, the, to be willing to turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understood him. And I found out that I had to turn other people's lives over too. I had to turn my husband over and let him live his life the way he had to and believe and trust that somehow things were going to work out okay. Now, I will tell you, I did not do this gracefully all the time. But once I started recovering, I really did. I was able to give that up to let, um, the, you know, even like in the 11th step, that his will for us and the power to carry that out. So... The, then I realized that I knew, you know, who my children were. I knew who my husband was. I could tell you their life story, but I didn't know who I was. And it was in, then the next thing to do was to learn how to, to, to find out who I was. And then that's what happened when I did the fourth step. And then the, to be willing to get rid of the things that were destroying me. And then the things like the guilt and the shame and the the anger. I mean, the anger that I had was just unbelievable. And it came, and I heard Sharon Workshire to say one time, if you, if you bury it deep enough, it seethes out through the pores. And that's the truth. And everything I did, it had this tense um, feeling of, um, uh, of just the anger just the anger that was there. And I had to talk to other people, the people that I had harmed. Mostly it was the children. I really felt that I had done, I felt a terrible guilt for things that I had done that the children, I felt the children had not had the life that they, that I wanted to give them. I wanted to be a mother like my mother was. And I really thought, before we had children, I really thought that I could be. She was probably one of the dearest and most loving and given person I know of. And I don't know how I ever got her for a mother, but she was just wonderful. But I wanted to be like that. And because of this disease, my disease, not the family disease, not his alcohol, my disease, my family disease, I, care, I was not able to do that. And that's the one thing that I wanted to do more than anything is to give back to them some degree of sanity in in their in our life in our home and in our lifestyle. And you know, I really think that it worked. I really do. They 
we have all come together. It may not be, may not be what some other people's are, but for us it's been great. Then, and then, you know, it's been a lot easier since I started knowing who I was and being willing to accept my faults and everything else to be able to say I'm sorry. If some, if I do something wrong, it's easier to say it, you know, I, I just, um, shouldn't have said it that way or it would have been better had I said it another way and that type of, so it's easy to make, make amends, those, those daily amends. Then the, then as Kathy was talking, and it was a wonderful talk, Kathy, that, that sought through, um, prayer and meditation. You know, by the time you start, for the time I should say I, use the right pronoun, by the time I started recovering, it was almost like a thirst to become um, to know more, to feel more, to be more a part of what life could be like. And so um, we, at that time, the church that we went to was tremendous for that. I mean, it helped, it helped my spiritual growth tremendously. We went to retreats. We went to, did a lot of conferences and uh, to learn more about the disease and, and all of that. So that, you know, the 11th step was really great. And I tell you all of this so that it tells you a little bit about my growth through this, being introduced to this 12-step program. And then um, they haven't had a spiritual awakening. Yes, I really think that that spiritual awakening for me came through getting rid of a lot of this garbage that was inside, a lot of trash that I had put in my little garbage bag that I was carrying over my shoulder all these many, many years, that I was able to um, clean house, as they say, and it left that spirit alive in me. And there is, in my opinion, a really, in my feelings and my, my belief, there's a real spirit within us that guides us into if how we can be joyous, happy, and free. You know, as we talk about in the program, joyous, happy, and free. And I don't do it well all the time, but I do, I am grateful that for the days that I can do it, and it feels so good when I can. I do think that this uh, spiritual awakening in the 12th step, I think, is the ability to love beyond what's going on in our lives, abilities to see beyond one's behavior, to see, see beyond what is out there, to, to the love, the, the spirit, the God within them. You know, when we talk about God is love and we talk about God is spirit, then it seems so clear to me that the spiritual awakening is that ability to love. And I think that that's where I would like to be. I would I would like to do that all the time, but I don't. But I can see when I when I am failing, I can I can feel that, and I can try to make amends. I can try to do the things that will help me bring that back in my life. Um, and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. You know, it does it, it's not just in the Al-Anon room. It's not just in our home. But I think it's the carrying that feeling. You know, what's inside shows outside. And it's to be able to carry that feeling so that others can see that. 
that that um, whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's driving down our highway that we call 41 in the season, or whether wherever it is, whether it's with the family, whether it's with friends, whoever it is, and I see that so much here. You know, it, it's so neat to walk in that door out front and and to be able to smile and these people that are service people around here you know they they have that smile on their face and they make you feel good and that's what the whole part of life is is to make you feel good inside i used to call my gut feeling my barometer because if i felt good that way then somehow i was doing things right and if i didn't if it started getting that knot down there there was something i needed to work on and usually it was me. It was not what somebody else was doing, but how I was reacting to what they were doing. Um, so I think the main thing is to practice these principles. It, to, my, my goal is to practice these principles in all my affairs. Now, we'll tell you that uh, with all the struggles that we had at a period of time and the hopelessness and helplessness that I felt, um, somehow... God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Somehow it all finally came to a head. We all, you know, got back to being a family. It's like the old marriage had to die and then a new life come into it. And last October we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. So... Thank you. And my, my husband will tell you, has told people that it's because of Al-Anon that our marriage survived. And I'm, I'm sure that's it. Because it was being willing to let go, to let him live his life, to let the children live their lives, and to not feel that I was responsible for it. That, that made a tremendous amount of difference. It was learning not to argue about everything. And I was told early on that my feelings were my own, and I had every right to express my feelings. I later learned that my opinions were my own, and I had every right to express my opinion. I don't have the... It doesn't help any for me to express them and then tell it over and over and over and over again like I used to. I used to think, God, you know, he can't hear anything. So I'd have to say it in a different way. And what... Oh, my Lord, what that turned out to do... And it's like, I tell you, it's like at bedtime, a lot of this disagreement came in. And I think, while he was gone during the day and the evening, and I'd say, well, you need to tell him this, and I'll tell him in this way. Well, you know how alcoholics are. Before you know it, everything you've said has been flipped around to where you're the one that's at fault. And if it hadn't been for you, then there wouldn't have been a problem to start with. And I and he'd go to bed and go to sleep. Well, I was up to 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I was out on the dock thinking, damn, you know, I should have said that differently. I'm well, sure it was my fault because I said it the wrong way. So I'll do it differently tomorrow morning. I will talk to him and, and let him know that that was not the right way, but this is how I really mean it. Well, guess what? That wasn't the right way either. And he'd go off to work, and he'd storm out, and he, and of course the other one was in the operating room waiting for him. And, you know, so I've spent all day long worrying about that. And, you know, it's hard to accomplish anything in the world, if, anything else, if you've got all this other stuff crowding your mind. So anyway, I have learned 
that if I express my opinion and he doesn't agree with it, he has every right to be wrong. He doesn't... <laughs> he doesn't have to believe everything that's, that I know is right, but he has to learn in his own way that I am right after all. So, so anyway... The one thing that has helped tremendously is keep a sense of humor. Now, it is a lot easier if something really bothers me to wait until the next day to talk about it. Or the next, when it's some other time when I can go and I can say, you know what? You know how you signed it the other day when you did this. You know how you looked when you did that. You know, and go back and keep a sense of humor and then we both can end up laughing at it and it's okay. So anyway, this program has given me life, and I am so grateful for it. If you're new, I hope that you will continue to come back to Al-Anon and to just learn that there is a new and wonderful way to live. The last thing I'd like to share and how this program has really, I don't know, I don't know how I would have handled life without it, but with it. I, I certainly have been able to handle it with a degree of um, serenity and acceptance, and that's the way life is. Three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I, had, I you know, had been through um, mammograms and wondering if it turns out okay all that time, all my life just about, and. Um, I that this one time, and I think probably they missed it, and I think probably missed it twice on the mammogram. So I encourage people also that if they feel like they have a problem, to request an MRI. They say that that's the best way to find the um, most questionable areas now. But that's that's beside the point. But anyway, I went through surgery and chemo and the whole bit, and, and really, I, I honestly had no emotional problems from it because that's just the way life was, and I had to accept it and deal with it and on and on. Well, last year, about three weeks after we had our 50th wedding anniversary celebration, uh, I had some uncontrollable pain in my leg and foot, and it turns out that I had a recurrence. And, you know, it was something that that's the way life is. And I have been able to handle that really because of this program, because of understanding, just like it says, and God's will for us and the power to carry that out. If I can carry it out with dignity and acceptance, that's the best I can do. So anyway, this program has, has been my life. Um, I can't, I, I, I didn't find it until I was almost 50 years old. So um, if you're younger than that, just know that you've been blessed by by being exposed to it early enough and, and keep coming back because it really, really does work. I do thank you all for being here. It's been wonderful seeing you again. And uh, it's, this is our... 26 consecutive ones. So I, some of many of you, I know many of you, I don't. But um, we're all trudging that road to happy destiny, and I hope we'll all make it. Thanks. <laughs>